What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Give us some men who know the truth. Know the truth. The Reformation was founded upon sola scriptura. The reformers didn't call themselves reformers. They just wanted to be biblical. And you can sit in Starbucks all day long with your skinny jeans on and talk about reformers, or you can pick up a Bible and start getting biblical. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Well, it's not intentional, but our brother just pointed out that we've spent some time in the six G's, but I want to add one more, because what I want to do in this final session together is talk to you about a particular kind of glory, and it's not a glory that the world considers glorious. But it's a glory that the scripture proclaims over reality. That there, there is a glory present that we don't often recognize, particularly as people who live in a world that want to diminish that glory. Mm-hmm. What I'm speaking of is one particular <coughs> verse of scripture. Turn with me to Proverbs 16, verse 31. Proverbs 16, verse 31. There we read these words, and we read these words about a particular kind of glory. Listen to the scriptures. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory, if it is found in the way of righteousness. Brothers, I want to speak to those of you who are in those final stages of life. But really, Proverbs 16.31 gives us instruction not only for the seniors, but for others who are not seniors to recognize something. And you see, we live in a day when the kind of glory that Proverbs 16.31 speaks of is is a kind of glory that the world wants to diminish. And here's what I mean. We all joke together, don't we, when the first gray hair shows up in one of the young men or middle-aged men in our church, right? We all joke when those hairs turn into, you know, the salt and pepper look that eventually turns into a hair full of silver or white head kind of glory. But we live in a world that wants to diminish that, that wants to color that away, a world that wants to say that youth is what is good, But actually, the scripture would call us to see that there's a kind of glory in old age. Now, notice the caveat of the text. If it is found in the way of righteousness, some English translations will say it is found by the way of righteousness. But in either case, not only is there a kind of glory that we need to speak about, we close our time together. But by implication, there's some instruction for the rest of us. So I want us to to consider three simple things this morning. Let me read the text one more time. Firstly, hear the word of God. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. Now, what is referenced here, obviously, is a word picture. 
gray hair or white hair or silver hair in and of itself is, is nothing glorious. The color of your hair is not where the glory is found. It is a word picture that takes a life lesson. It is typically those who are older, who've been through life, who develop gray and white hair. And that's what's actually being addressed. There is a glory to older age. But do we live that way? Hmm. <clears throat> Color the gray way. None of us wants to get older. But should that be the case? No. Old age is full in our estimation to those of us that are younger with aches and pains and challenges and things not being what we remember them to be. And so we really don't want to get older. We bemoan turning 40, or now perhaps 50. But should we? In one sense, the scripture says that there's a glory that we ought to recognize. Now make no mistake, you can be an old man, and the glory of Proverbs 16.31 not be spoken of you. Because notice the second part of the text. As is often the case in the book of Proverbs, you get a lesson or a sentence or a principle of wisdom, and then there's further instruction, Right? The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if, or it is found, in the way of righteousness. So the first thing that I want us to see is the recognition of the older ones. The recognition of the older ones. The crown of glory is not about literal hair color, but about the aged person having lived well. Do we as Christian brothers recognize the glory that is among us. Now, when I say glory, I don't mean we take pride in ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in God's design, there is a glory of the older men who've lived before the Lord in a righteous way. That is a gift to the church. The scripture actually calls very few things glorious. Now, one of the things that is called glorious, a type of glory, is the righteous man who's lived long. What a gift, and what a gift for the church of Christ. Now, under the old economy, the Mosaic economy, we read certain uh, things related to this. Let me take you to Leviticus 19.32. Leviticus 19.32. There we read this instruction. When the covenant people of God were a nation, when they were a kingdom, a theocracy, there were certain rules given. And in Leviticus 19.32, we read this principle in the form of a rule. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. Now, our text is Proverbs 16.31, not Leviticus 19.13, but I just have to say for one moment, do you notice what is paired there? The recognition of an old man and the fear of God. Why is that? Well, I don't want to just guess, but if I were to guess in Leviticus 19.32, there's at least this possibility. It is only through the living God that any older man has gotten to where he is. Amen. And when we respect that, there is a fearing of God. God, in your providence, you have let this man live long. 
And I'm going to recognize out of fear for you the respect that is due to the older ones. Recognition of the older ones is something that is an implication of our text. It saddens me, but we live in a world where the elderly, whatever that means, maybe you're 40 and you feel like you're elderly. You're not, but maybe you feel that way. But the recognition of the elderly is increasingly something that is missing from our society. It is the youth that we always say, our hope is found in the youth. Is it? (laughs) In some ways, we value as we ought the youth of our day, of our churches. But Proverbs 16.31 would call us to recognize the, the glory, not the boastfulness or the sinful pride of, but the glory of a life long lived well. Think about your church. Are there men in your congregation who are the silver-haired ones? And do you not only recognize them, but do you find that they have a particular value because they've walked with Christ, they've lived a righteous life? And there's a sense in which the Lord Christ gives that older man to the church. As a kind of gift. Uh, The text doesn't literally say that, but it implies it. There's a glory to be recognized, isn't there? In the silver-haired one. So we ought to, number one, recognize the older ones. But secondly, notice that there's a kind of instruction in this passage. This one verse to the older ones. Everyone should recognize. The word of God says there's something glorious here. There's something for us to see here. The second thing is, there's instruction. Look at the second half of the verse. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. (laughs) If it is found in the way of righteousness. Now again, the translations sometimes say, it is found. But the glory that's spoken of here is not just being old, but being old with a righteous life. The instruction here for you brothers that are older is that your age alone is not what this text speaks about. It's the age with a particular kind of path lived, right? If it is found in the way of righteousness, there are world dictators who slaughter their people who reach old age. There are murderers who've killed many men and women who are alive in prison cells who reach old age. Their hair is silver. It's not simply the age that the text speaks of. There's instruction here for us. Those of us that are younger need to see that if by God's grace and his providential direction, I reach old age, it will be a kind of glory. But I'm to reach that age with a particular kind of life. Now, a couple of passages of scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 2 Proverbs 3, verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. What is the they? Let me read that again. This is Proverbs 3, verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. What is the they? Well, I think it's verse 1 of Proverbs 3. The verse that precedes it. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Good, wise instruction 
but also the law and word of God will provide a comfort for us as we reach older age. Or perhaps turn with me to Matthew, just one other passage, Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and verse 46. Matthew 24, verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. There is instruction in our passage, brothers, for the older ones, that there is, number one, a recognition of the older ones, but secondly, there is instruction. Matthew Henry, the Puritan commentator, I'm sure many of you have his commentary on your shelf, writes this. It ought to be the great care of old people to be found in the way of righteousness. The way of religion and serious godliness. Both God and man will look for them in that way. It will be expected that those that are old should be good, that the multitude of their years should teach them the best wisdom. Let them therefore be found in that way. So if you are an elderly individual, senior saint, uh, no longer young or middle-aged man, there is something glorious about what God has allowed you to reach. But part of that glory ought to be seen in the instruction of our text. That it's, it's the, the, the living of a life in the ways of God that is important. And let me just say, maybe you've reached the final years of your life and you've only been walking with Christ for a few years. You may say, I've, I've wasted a lot of time. That may be the case. There still may very well be a spirit wrought glory about your final few years as you seek to walk in the ways of Christ. So what does our text give us? I think it gives us, number one, the recognition of the older ones. In a world full of clairol and just for men and touch of gray and all of that, wants to color that away, the scripture actually swims the other way, doesn't it? <clears throat> Not a touch of gray, but a full head full of gray. Is this really what the scripture is painting? I mean, the ads on YouTube or wherever you're finding your media attention these days, the, the, the ads seem to want us to, to cover up our old age. The scripture almost wants to say, look at this glorious diamond. But it's a diamond because this individual has lived in such a way that now in the final few years of life, they are not only a resource to the church, but there's a shining glory about their gray hair. About where they've come. Of course, it's all by the Spirit, isn't it? A recognition of the older ones, but an instruction. For those of us that are young and headed that way, should the Lord give us life and breath. But for those of us who are there, we ought to be living in the way of righteousness. There's nothing glorious in and of itself about having gray hair and live, having lived several decades longer than others. The text highlights if it is found in the way of righteousness. But then thirdly, and perhaps for the rest of our time, I want us to see the benefit 
of the older ones. So if you're taking notes, we've got the recognition of the older ones, instruction to the older ones, but thirdly, the benefit of the older ones. Notice this text assumes two things. That this individual is following in the ways of God. It says as much, doesn't it? Let me read the second part of the verse. If it is found in the way of righteousness. So this assumes that the person is following in the ways of God, but secondly, that they have much experience in doing it. This amounts to wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if, if these two things are assumed, then an implication of this text is that we, other men who are not there, benefit from their lives. We benefit from their lives. They are men who have walked further than we've walked. You perhaps have been there when, and I know each of us was there, my wife and I are now old enough in our journey that we see this regularly as the younger couples in our church are having children or younger siblings of ours are bringing their children over. And you know that first time parent, you know, they're in their, you pick the age, 20s, maybe sometimes 30s. And they have that first child. And what do they bring with them? Everything. Everything. <laughs> we had people staying in our house once, and we said, hey, don't feel like you have to bring everything when you stay with us. We've got the pack and play of several kinds. We've got the high chair. We've got the... But they're comfortable with their own stuff. So, you know, they, they bring their own crib. <laughs> they bring their own everything, you know. But as we got further in our childbearing and raising years, it went from our first child, and we thought we knew everything and our parents were dumb, right? To all I need is a diaper, a baby wiper, too, and a little bag of Cheerios, and we're good, right? What is that? That's just growing in wisdom. I real, you know what growing in wisdom is sometimes realizing former stupidity, right? You just, I, I didn't need all that, right? Well, you know, you're gracious, and you, you recognize that maybe this is where your children are. They're, they're raising your first grandchild or two, and you just sit back and you think, one day they'll realize they don't need all that stuff. You know, we just let them discover that, like we did. But my point is this. There are older, and I'm going to use the word parents to complete the illustration. There are older parents in our midst. If the Lord God allows us to have them, which is... Which is why I think there's a little bit of a problem in our day when ch whole churches are planted to reach one particular age group. How do you do the New Testament? How do you do Titus 2 if your whole church plant is we just want 18-year-olds? Or your whole church plant or church is we don't want a lot of the younger folks. This is our church and we want it the way we want it. The New Testament knows nothing of churches like that. Right? It knows churches of men and women, old and young, a variety of colors and seasons and stages of life. We benefit then from having the older ones in our midst. Can I just speak frankly? Please. I grew up in the church, and a lot of times the message that you got was, we're doing this because, well, you know, we need to appease the older ones. I think the scripture would invert that for us and almost cause us to see what, what, what benefit might there be if we're sitting at the feet of the older ones? There's a glory here. Tell me about what it was like to live 
eight decades of life, most of them following King Jesus. Because mm -hmm. I have not been there. Mm -hmm. In all of our programs and ministry designs and all of that, and you know, we as Reformed Baptists tend to have less programs than other churches, but we still have all the things that we do. Do we recognize that there's something that the scripture calls glorious? A type of glory, and I think hopefully by now you know what I mean. Not a prideful thing, not a worshiping of man. There's a good gift in our midst. When the Lord allows our churches to have silver-haired ones among us. I'd say the same thing if there weren't silver-haired men in this room. Some of you happen to be here, but I'd say that you were. There's a benefit. Now I have to say this. Do you know that one of the benefits that silver-haired ones provide for us is that they provide for us a picture of what it's like to suffer and die well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are a few that will die young, mm -hmm. and usually it's tragic. Mm -hmm. But it's the older ones who often, not always, but who often, we have the opportunity over several months to observe how they handle the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. And to you silver-haired ones in this church, one of the greatest gifts that you can give this church is your experience of suffering well, but in God's providence when it comes, dying well in, in our midst. Amen. <clears throat> There's a benefit the text says as much, though, doesn't it? Titus 2, we'll turn there, but you remember there's that passage of older men to younger men, older women to younger women, and of course, we could write in there older people in the faith. It doesn't just have to be chronological age, but it probably at least most literally means that there's, there's an, a need in the church for older men to be discipling and teaching younger men and older women the same. We need the benefit of the older ones. So here's a word, a double word of exhortation. If you're young or middle-aged and you have no time for <clears throat> observing the glory that is the silver-haired one, make time. <laughs> and if you are one of the silver-haired ones, if you have the strength to do it, don't say to yourself, I took my turn, now it's theirs. Yes. Because they need you. I say they because I'm not a part of your church, but I'll just include me. We need you. We need your words of wisdom. We've not lived 70, 80, 90 years in the way of righteousness. Some of you have by his grace. And we need that sermon. You know what I mean by sermon. Yeah. A visible kind of manifestation of the principles of God's word. Not on par with the preaching on the Lord's day. But you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. We need that. So please don't divorce yourself from us. Don't remove that kind of glory from the shelf that is our church. By saying, well, I took my turn. If you have life and breath, it's still your turn. Yeah, that's right. And part of your turn is helping those of us that are younger 
not make some of the mistakes that you made. To comfort us with the comfort with which you've received in your experience. And those of us that are younger, you know, sometimes I hear this. Thankfully, I don't hear it a lot, but occasionally as a minister, you hear this. Where, where are the older men? Where are the older women? I just want someone to disciple me. And sometimes in that moment, what I'm hearing is the immaturity of a young person who knows that there's benefit in being discipled by an older person. But the immaturity is, it's their responsibility to come to me. Mm -hmm. Some of us who are younger or middle-aged, we ought to be seeking this out. Yeah. We ought to be seeking this out. There's a benefit that the silver-haired ones provide for us. Not only they're dying well, but the stories of their life. You know, one of the things, that, and I'm a little strange, uh, part of it was I was a pastor's kid, and my father pastored churches with predominantly middle-aged to older-age individuals. Sometimes I was one of the few younger people in the church. Perhaps then, at times, maybe I thought, I wish I had more friends, I don't even know, it was just what it was, but now I don't regret it. Because all of the hospital visits, the nursing home visits, Funerals. I attended more funerals before the age of 15 than most people attend in their life, which served me well <laughs> now, given what I do. But it cultivated in me this desire to listen to people's stories. Yeah. Do you listen to stories? Yeah. Do you have time for stories? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't do anything longer than five minutes. Just Look at your phone. Look at your TV. You, know, you flip on. Well, you choose the news station, right? I'll, just to be an equal opportunity offender, flip on Fox News or CNN. You choose, right? What do we got? We got a person talking to us. We got a text box up here with a picture. There's a ticker going by. We don't have time for any one thing anymore. There's a thousand things going. So imagine asking one of us of, say, age 50 or younger to sit down for an hour and listen to someone's story. But do you know we learn a lot when we listen to those stories? Absolutely. Now, I realize I'm bringing out a lot of practical implications of this text. I'm, not, I'm doing, again, thirdly, what, what I've done the last two times. I'm not so much just preaching a sermon from this text. I'm calling us to consider the practical applications of this text as men, right? That's we need to listen to the stories. So maybe that's, you know, my wife and I, we're going to have that elderly individual over from church on the Lord's Day. We're going to have lunch. And it may seem strange, but we're going to actually say, hey, we're young. We want to hear from you. Tell us about your life. It may seem strange to do, isn't it? But there may be a value there. Because the scripture says there's something glorious about the <coughs> believing, serving God, silver-haired one. I don't want to miss out on that glory. I don't want to be so consumed with the things of my own life that I don't look up to see something that the scripture says is glorious. Right? So again, recognition of the older ones, instruction to the older ones, benefit of the older ones. As we close then, let me give you a couple of statements of application. These come to you by way of imperative. Mm -hmm. Okay? You know what an imperative is? It's a command. Well, I'm going to nuance it a little bit. And these imperatives come in the form of 
be careful, right? Anytime, however, that we hear imperatives, and it's okay to hear imperatives, it's okay. the Word gives us imperatives. It gives us commands in the Old and the New Testament. We don't need to be afraid of those. But obviously, when we hear these imperatives, we hear them as people who are resting in Christ. Right? So we don't have to be afraid of seeing our own failures when the Word of God instructs us. Well, some of these imperatives, really, are implications that I think arise from this one principle of Proverbs 16.31. So brothers, be careful. Here they go. Number one, be careful wanting to throw off the previous generation because of its faults. Now, if you're a silver-haired one, your generation had faults. (laughs) And so does mine. And so will my children's. There's no generation without faults. So I don't mean anything in particular here. But be careful wanting to throw off the previous generation because of its faults. Let me speak specifically to the Reformed Baptist in us. This isn't always the case, but it's usually the case. As someone who is pastoring a Reformed Baptist church, and I've got friends in a variety of places like these two brothers who are pastoring Reformed Baptist churches, our movement, our little room in the house of God, because we're just a room, brothers. We are not the church. We're just a room in the church. I like our room the best, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It's a growing movement by God's grace. There are more Reformed Baptist churches in 2023 than there were in 1953. And there's a temptation in that. A lot of us who didn't grow up in Reformed Baptist churches, we think, well, we've found the promised land. And it was that last generation that wandered in the wilderness. And we want to cast them off. Let me go one step further. And I hope I'm not stepping on any toes, but... In a couple hours, I get to get in the car and drive an hour away. <laughs> Feel free to throw your stones at me as I'm driving down the road. Yeah. We know where you live. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I believe that our confession is the best description of the doctrines that arise from the Word of God. But do you know it's possible for there to be a silver-haired one who is a believer who's not reformed? It's possible for there to be this glory of which this text speaks in the life of an individual who doesn't confess the second London Confession of Faith. And sometimes those of us that are younger who have found this glorious truth of this confessional stuff that we love, right? It's almost like, I don't, I don't need that. It's not reformed. Yeah. It's not confessional. Yeah. You almost want to throw off The fact that there are brothers and sisters who buried children. They stood in cemeteries and buried children. They could not describe to you the five points of Calvinism, but they know what it's like to be comforted by King Jesus at the cemetery. Now, if, heaven forbid, in God's providence, that comes upon us, do you know what I need? I need silver-haired glory in that moment. My confession of faith is wonderful, but I I need that brother and sister, even if they're a four and a half point Calvinist. (laughs) 
even if they're part of our church and they're not fully there yet with pick, pick one of your chapters. So I don't mean to imply that doctrine is not important. I just mean be careful wanting to throw off the previous generation because it doesn't fully align with whatever the areas of alignment that you're currently valuing is important. Okay? Be careful wanting to throw off that previous generation because the implication of this text is we need them. Right? We need them. Then secondly, let me encourage this. Our, my wife and I are weird <laughs> because we actually talk about how we look forward to getting older. That's what makes us weird, because I don't know many middle-agers, 40-somethings, that speak like that. Maybe they're out there. You know, one of the things that we look forward to, and we're starting to see it, because my oldest child is, you know, 17, right? So we're still, to some of you, they go, oh, you're just beginning. <laughs> but for us, we're starting to think about that next stage of parenting. Yeah. He's going to leave us soon. He's got, you know, I don't want to talk too long or I'll get teary-eyed. But we talk about how we've enjoyed having adult-like conversations with our children. We look forward to that more. We cannot wait for little grandchildren if the Lord gives them to us. Right? And so there's, there's a part of us that we look forward to old age. But we live in a world that tells us that we should despise old age, that we should be afraid of it. That we should, and I know there's a, there's a time and a place and a necessity for, for helpful nursing homes and all that. But we as a culture do tend to just want to ship off every aspect of old age. Okay? Be careful despising old age because the scripture doesn't. But here's another area where we need to be careful. Be careful of over-glorifying youth. Now, yes, Paul tells Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. But we do live in a day where youth is elevated and glorified. The role models of our age are known for all kinds of stupid things. Yeah, but how many of them are known for the most recent plastics? And again, there's a place for plastic surgery, but just follow me, follow me here. How many of them are known for constant, I want to look you up need to stay young. Part of it's I need to keep marketing my product, my brand, etc. Yeah. But we live in a, in a culture that wants to over-glorify youth. You know, other cultures, even pagan cultures, don't always fall into that area. There are other cultures that have, in God's common grace, a respect and a valuing of, of age that we have seemingly lost. Right. It's like we fought World War II, there was this greatest generation, and then we said, we're done with old age. <laughs> what happened? Well, there's a lot of sociological things we can get into, and I won't. The principle is, if the scripture says there's a kind of glory here, we need to be careful that we don't diminish that glory by going to the opposite extreme. Right. Be careful over-glorifying youth. Well, let's, let's go back down to a moment, for a moment. Proverbs 16.31. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. So what if we said, there's a recognition in the text that there's something glorious, something good about a long life lived well. There is instruction. It's not simply your years. It's your years lived in the way of righteousness. Yeah. Thirdly, by implication, there's a benefit to us. 
to us as individuals, to us as believers within the church. Let me speak just for a moment then to you silver-haired ones. Your translation may say gray hair. I don't, you know, every English translation renders things slightly differently. Mine that I'm using says the silver-haired head. So you silver-haired ones, the church of Christ needs you. We need you to speak into our sometimes youthful zeal that is not always tempered with experience. Mm -hmm. We need you to help us in our cemeteries, because you've been there. We need you to help us in our hospice moments. Maybe you're not there, but you've walked a spouse through that. Statistically speaking, you've lost more people than we have. You've helped see individuals through moments of great suffering, and so we need your voice. We need you to come to us when we don't come to you. We need you to, to bring some of your experience gently and humbly to us. We need you not to say that it's a turn that you've already taken. Let someone younger do it. Now, there are moments for that. Sometimes you need to say, yeah, look, I need help. I've been doing this for a long time. I need to make sure that one of you younger men is trained up in my task in the church. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to hold on to every job. But what I mean is, we need you not to shut down on us. Because we, we, we desperately need what you've got. The Lord continues to equip His church with men to preach His word, both old and young. Amen. But, you are in a unique position. If you've walked with Christ, to help us to see the glory that you bring to the table. Then those of us that are younger who are not yet silver-haired. Consider the glory of which this text speaks. Do you have time for it? Do you want to hear from it? It's one thing for us to ask the older men to speak into our lives. It's another thing to humbly listen. <clears throat> do, we, do, we want, do we have time for it? And... Do we recognize that when we in our moments of concern and fear think about getting older with all of the challenges in a fallen world that it brings, do we spend all of our time only fearing getting older? Or do we recognize that should the Lord allow, there may be an opportunity for us when we are older That's right. to benefit those that are younger. Mm -hmm. That it's actually a gift of God to have life and breath. That's now right. think about this. I know, brothers... That the cry of the Christian is, come Lord Jesus. I know that we're looking for something to come, and that this is not our home, that we are pilgrims. Mm -hmm. So this text does not negate that. We're not saying that our goal should be to live as long as we can and just hold on to this earthly life here and never want to, to see the King. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Rather, what I'm saying is, until He comes... Until he comes, there are a, a variety of shimmering things in the jewelry box that is the church. Yeah. And one of the crown jewels within that box 
is the silver-haired glory. Brothers, we must, we must make time to benefit from these brothers and sisters. We must also swim against the stream that our culture is giving to us. You know why the culture wants to get rid of old age? Because it is an existential crisis for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all they have is this life. That's right. We are free. We are free to see the glory of old age. Because it's not the end. We are free to enjoy being 85 years old with all of the aches and pains and sorrows and trials and heartaches. We are free to not be afraid of that because King Jesus walked out of a tomb. Right? There's no cemetery grave that doesn't already have the work of Christ written all over it if it's a believer's grave. So we're free to not feel like we have to paint and color the gray hair away. We're actually free. We are the freest of all peoples to be able to say, there's a glory here. We can learn from it and benefit from it. And humbly, yes, if we are there and we're a silver-haired one, we're free to say, this is a gift. Praise be his name. And Lord, if you give me life and breath, even to the very few last days of my hospital or hospice bed, may I use those days for you. Yeah. Because there's, there's, a, there's a glory that you've let me live to. And if you so will, benefit your church from it. Well, let's pray. Living God, we thank you for every stage of life that you let us walk through. And in this particular moment, we thank you for the older men. We thank you for those brothers who have, by your grace alone, been given many decades of walking with you. Help those of us that are younger look unto them for counsel, for wisdom. And help those brothers to not only see the glorious gift that they've been given by your hand, but also to use those years well. We pray that you would enrich your church with the shimmering glory that is the silver-haired ones in our midst. If those lives have been lived in your ways. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.